All right, you got your camera? You got a bag? You ready to go? Jump on in. We're heading down the road. My name's April, and I'm an award-winning landscape photographer and tour guide. I've been leading small group photo tours for over 20 years. For photographers, non-photographers, and anyone else that just likes to go for a great trip. So welcome to my podcast, Eyes for the Road. Thanks for joining us today. It's a wonderful afternoon here in California. And this, my name's April again with Eyes for the Road. And I'm very privileged to have Brian Samiro. I hope I didn't murder his last name. <laughs> no, real close. <laughs> uh, join me this afternoon. I Just a little background. Brian's a new photographer that I recently had the pleasure of meeting when I went to San Francisco. So if you go and seek out one of my other podcasts, I did one about San Francisco and how oftentimes when even when I travel as a photographer, it's worth it to me to hire someone that really knows their city, really knows their area. And Brian took me to some fabulous places to photograph. He does a lot of private guiding in San Francisco, and I'm going to plug that a little (laughs) later but also just from meeting him and getting a chance to chat a little bit he has a passion for using his photography to help to do more than just come home with a you know a photograph to hang on your wall as such or memories from your trip for your personal use I kind of gathered he had a, a larger sense and I think that transferred to me to have an interest into what he's been doing, and how you can use your photography to help a bigger cause, whether it's animals or people or something else that you're passionate about. I read a little bit about his past. Um, he has some, so he, I think he was in the law enforcement business, which I guess that whole <laughs> phrase of serve and protect may kind of transfer to this. So Absolutely. thank you for joining me, Brian. Well, thank you for having me. It's and an if you'd share a little bit about your journey and how photography kind of played in, like when you got interested in photography or if it's always been a lifetime passion. Yeah, for sure. I never thought I would be a photographer. I um, well, I did work in law enforcement. I was a police officer for the city of San Jose for almost 20 years. Wow. Uh, retired out a couple years ago due to an on-job injury. Um, but when I got about five, six years into the job, I had to try to find something to help de-stress and I'd always had a little bit of an interest in photography and thought, hey, why not give this a go? Uh, started to meet some wonderful photographers up in uh, Canada area, Vancouver. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> just totally uh, kind of a coincidence to be able to meet such awesome folks and um, pretty much spent the day uh, with a wildlife photographer out there, and I caught the bug bad. Did you? Uh, okay. Yeah, which then made my bank account sink instantly, <laughs> as, we, as we all know in photography, right? Yeah, Such an exactly. expensive hobby. And, and So did you start, not to interrupt with yeah. the journey, but did you start with digital photography then? Or had you yeah. ever used a film camera? No, I, I pretty much started digital, and I'm a Nikon guy all the way. So um, I had a, started with a Nikon D60 and just kind of worked my way up from there um and i think that's kind of a product whether you're a ford or a chevy person you know canon and nikon they're both great uh cameras but uh it was what i kind of apprenticed under and studied under and now feel comfortable with and um i was just fortunate you know as time went on got to do some amazing projects and and just kind of met cool people which then led to some success with the wildlife photography and the the landscape and travel and kind of brought me full circle to where I am today. So what are you working on, I guess, now? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I always I see photos. Like I said, I did a, a little bit. I, I haven't known Brian that long, but just his passion <laughs> inspired me. But I saw elephants, eagles. It's just like a gamut of things. I'm a little bit all over the map, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, you did hit it on the head. I'm very passionate about animals and wildlife, and I, I think it's important to give a voice to animals and creatures that don't have one. Um, you know, we're only on this earth a short time and we're, uh, definitely making it harder for ourselves and all the species to survive. Um, so I took it upon myself, uh, when I was apprenticing, um, I started doing the usual, you, you know, you do the engagement photography. Um, then I got a chance to work with, uh, 
some mammals just outside of Victoria. And I said, you know what? Wildlife is way easier than bridezillas. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, I will never again do uh, engagement photography and things like that. But, uh, um, so did you actually take some like photography workshops or? Yeah. So I studied and then I studied under a couple local photographers up there. Um, and kind of what I would call like a very loose apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, traded work came, went back and forth several times between San Francisco and Vancouver. Oh my goodness. Uh, then started to travel back East, uh, put myself through every course I could imagine, studied online. Um, and you know, I guess you could say in some respects self-taught, but um, I, you know, try to put the wrench time into my philosophy is to get it right in the camera versus trying to do too much editing once you get back home. And I, I'm completely of that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's been listening to the podcast hears me say that over and over right. coming. And I started with a film camera as a child, but uh, oh, okay. same thing. I think it's just important. You're in the moment. You're in the. I'm not a behind right. the sit at the desk kind of. Yeah, no way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I had I belonged to a uh, I had belonged to a couple of photography clubs, and one of the things that always bothered me about the clubs was that it was an emphasis on heavy editing. So I consider myself a natural raw digital photographer, meaning very little post edit work should be done. Try to you know take examples from like Ansel Adams and yes, try to just yeah. spend as much time as you need to out on site to get it right. And of course, we all have to do touch ups. We'd be lying right, if we said we didn't. Right, but exactly. Keep the essence of the photograph, and I find that it, it very important when it comes to wildlife. Um, in, in the sense too is that you know if you if you alter what you're seeing, then you're not really seeing the animal and 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 it it, it could be confusing for somebody who's looking at your photo something that's too heavily edited that way doesn't look right right and i agree with that i think that's there's a there's a a purity that needs to and i and i know that's the tough thing with you know digital photography so many people look at it and and they're like is that real they question it now and it's (laughs) frustrating so you do you almost want to put like this is how I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you almost have to justify people who right. are, you know, using some of the photo websites and whatnot, or they're using social media, like to put no filter, whatever filter. I mean, filters have been used since early photography. Oh, exactly. There's nothing early. wrong with doing no, that. Right. Um, it's the craft, and it's just, um, I think people are now, like you said, because phones uh, today, even cameras make it a little bit easier for everyday folks. But I always remind people that, you know, photography is not dying. It's a, it's an art. It's a craft. And if you don't have the eye of the photographer, it doesn't matter what type of camera or lens no. you have. And we all know, right, the biggest insult in the world is when you show somebody uh, a beautiful photo and they go, oh, you must have a great lens. Oh, and you're like, oh that, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, that's two days. Right, of, uh, <laughs> right. Or you must have a great camera. A great camera, it right. Is, yeah. Right. It's like... <laughs> No, I could have shot this with my cell phone. I just happened to be there yeah. seeing the the elephant with the you yeah. know, with the hole. <laughs> I think we've gotten into that era where, you know, people are used to now seeing on Discovery Channel these amazing shots, slow motion, but they don't realize that the producers and the videographers and the photographers are out there for weeks to get those shots, sometimes 15, 16 hour oh days. Gosh. Uh and that was a lot. I think it was what appealed to my nature. Um, you know, having started out as a police officer, I used to be on stakeouts for eight, ten hours in a right. crowded van and, you know, be stuck in the car for long periods of time. And you you have that one moment of excitement right before you're going to jump out and arrest right, somebody. Right. And I always say <laughs> in, in wildlife photography, it's the same thing. I mean, you could sit and watch, an, you know, a bald eagle do oh. several projects. And you want to try to get that where they're coming in for the fish, yeah. for the hunt. And you could be out there for days just to get that one shot. And, and that's what makes it all worthwhile. And I love how you are passionate about it because we share, we share the same attitude with this. But that's catching the spirit of the animal. That's catching the, right. the, the essence exactly. of what you're doing. And that's what makes it art, in my opinion. Exactly. So talk to me a little bit, if you, if you can. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many, of your pro- how many of your projects are kind of, you know, you're still <laughs> in process. But National Geographic, I, I mean, what a prestigious publication. What a prestigious organization. How and what have you done with them? And well, it's it's kind of an odd thing is uh, when I started to do uh, some of the Alaska projects, I've never wanted to make money off of 
the photography. I didn't want um, to have this, you know, big thing where it became just a money machine. So when I was out there, um, I was able to help photograph like behavior patterns. And I came across folks who were like, hey, those would be really helpful because as we're doing our research, it's nice to know like, you know, raking photos and, you know, you name it, whatever type of um, behaviors that they were looking for. Pardon me. So just over time, having made the connections, submitting photographs and whatnot, uh, same with PBS. I've submitted all that for free as well. Oh, wonderful. Um, Better to let the scientists use these photos to help uh, save the species, to help understand better. Um, And I think what happens when when you have that type of attitude, good things come to you. Right, Um, right. And if you give back, um, you know, doors just seem to open. So it was always honored, uh, you know, I was always honored to have somebody enjoy a photograph. But to have, you know, a a company or, uh, you know, groups of uh, professional photographers or scientists enjoy it, man, what what higher honor can be paid? I mean, that, that was awesome. So with National Geographic, it was something you were already in Alaska or in Canada photographing something you were... Yeah, didn't even know that it was going to go that way. I submitted them uh, online. um, And again, just kind of turned out to have a little bit of success with it. And they picked it up. They featured them on their online sites. Uh, The the most important, Nat Geo is great. Uh, PBS is probably my favorite because it... It has, you know, the public essence to yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. Um, public funding. Public funding. And it really is a way for, you know, everyday folks like myself to be able to try to give back a little bit. Um, when I started to research just how many um, places really need fo- photographs of behaviors or you're, you're willing to go out and you know, photograph movements of eagles to try so and figure out. So kind of on a volunteer basis. Oh, yeah, You, you yeah. just go Nothing online paid. and kind of look at, you know, yeah. this organization's researching the eagles or yeah. the owls or whales or Absolutely. whatever it is. So these are things other people then could Absolutely. look into as well. Other and they need them all the time. I mean, they they the more photos, the more videos, you know, uh, <clears throat> the more attention comes to a certain group. So if there's a group that's protecting owls, the more close-ups, the, the you know, even tagging or, or um, trying to follow the migration patterns of like humpback whales and things like that, all of that means a lot because in wildlife, a lot of it is luck. So that's even though you true. can, yeah. I, you know, I always prepare my clients and I say, you know, you should always set yourself up for success, but that doesn't always mean you're going to get that big money shot. But the, the more you plan, the more you know ahead of time, the better chance for success you're going to have. So, you know, if, if, if scientists need that extra time or they need extra people to be able to, hey, yeah, they're actually getting photos of these tagged animals, then that helps them as well. That's right. a, another thing that they don't have to do. So what projects are you working on currently? <laughs> so, so, I mean, the, the globe the constant, is just, right? yeah, yeah, it's just huge. And like you said, there's so many groups that need photos that are researching. There's so many endangered species, really. Yeah. I, I, I mean, my main connection now is towards marine mammal life. And uh, I was just uh, selected uh, to be a volunteer animal caretaker at the Marine Mammal Center in Sausalito. Oh, wonderful. And that's the biggest rescue facility in the world. So I l- literally start my training on Friday. I'll be assigned to the uh, Harbor Seals. Um, and that's kind of the passion project. That's a literally a lifelong dream come true for me. Um, and even though it won't be so much photography, fa- photography based in the beginning, right. eventually it sounds like there will be some um, use for yeah opportunities or... to do that, um, but that's where my my passion is. I have a semi completed um, uh, documentary from Chiang Mai, uh, Thailand, which was uh, dealing with uh, disabled uh, elephants that are coming out of the logging industry. <clears throat> oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, that is very passionate. Elephant is one of my uh, favorite animals in in this world. Um, and the hypocrisy that goes on over there regarding, you know, touting an animal is supposed to be almost like a religious figure, but then speaking to people and realizing that most folks don't even understand they the particulars. They don't understand the behaviors or... Not at all. And, and and they're considered livestock over there, so there's pretty much no protections for them. Oh, my. Um, really? So it's if you ever go to Thailand, you want to... 
um, participate in a in a, a great uh, program. Go to the uh, uh, Elephant Park, and um, there's a lady named Lex Scheichert who is amazing. She donates her time in the rescue. All of the elephants there are disabled, disabled and blind, disabled, blind, and oh hearing impaired. Goodness. So you can actually do volunteerism and help them feed, help them wash. Uh, if you're a photographer, they love photographers out there because, again, those shots are things that, you know, with your your skill set and, right, and, and, your, right. and your fans and followers, they can put those online. It draws a lot of attention, which then draws a lot of funding, which then can also help with uh, political rules and, and laws. Um, is, not to interrupt, but is Thailand one of the countries that where the tusks were... You know, certain countries, different animal parts were more Africa. basically hunted and harvested. And- yeah, it, it, and that's a it's a good comment because uh, and a good question because uh, most of the the ivory is coming out of Africa. One of the ways they're they're preventing it now is staining it pink, um, so that it will be a lot less valuable, uh, valuable and people aren't going to want it. The big uh, um, issue that faces the Indian elephant in Thailand is the logging industry. Is it the, okay. And then it goes into the tourism where they're bringing the elephants downtown to take photos, right, which is right. technically illegal in Thailand. But oh, really? the Thai government, you know, uh, with tourism do- dollar, they, they let a lot of things go. But it's actually really bad for the animals because if you know anything about elephants, right, they feel through the bottom of their feet, so they're very sensitive oh. to vibration. And that's how tourists get hurt and people get hurt in downtown. Um, so it's a, it, that's a very, uh, you know, a, a, a project that I'm passionate about and I do hope to finish in the next year. You've spent quite a bit of time on this, if I yeah, understood, just editing. like I said, we had, we had a few moments in between <laughs> me trying to capture like the bridge at night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a tough, you know, um, the thing I learned that I would share with, with all your fans is that, you know, do your due diligence before you go and do a project like that, because, a lot can be lost in translation, and a lot of laws can come up and surface after. Meaning that, you know, we didn't fully research, I think, what the Thai government was going to say when we went into, like, a post-production. And oh. um, they were not happy about some of the things that were going on. Uh, and then we weren't issued permits for certain things. And had we known kind of the system to do that in the beginning, we probably would have had a smoother path and we wouldn't be having to try and go back and, and get this stuff now. Um, and again, it's, I think probably it's a little bit cause they're a little embarrassed, um, of what's happening, of what's happening and what's going to be put out, so to speak. That's absolutely. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that, you know, that can be tough. Um, yeah, that's... you know, I think people should have ownership, but at the same time, the country is struggling in a sense with its identity because, even if you go there, like I, if I took a tour and I'm like you, I always hire a private guide when right. I go because yeah. I want to get the experience. I want to go get those those shots where, you know, a million other photographers are not going. Uh, so I opted to take a long tail boat, which is the old wooden style boats oh, versus the speed boats. Right. <laughs> right. So I wanted to go out to the lime structures as an example. Well, you can't even get out to these places without there being hundreds of people. And oh. of course, the oil and the 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 gasoline that they're used for the motorboats now is is causing a lot of damage to the sand and the beach and the structures. But when you talk to the people, they're saying, "Well, almost like how dare you come here from America? You guys use more energy, you have more oh. waste product. All we're trying to do is make a living." Try so. It. It's, it, it is, is a, it's, a little it, bit of a balance. Yeah, and, it's a balance. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, you got, <clears throat> you kind of want to see the perspective. And we understand, you know, what the, the, the uh, carbon footprint is doing. But to people who don't have much, it's hard to deny it's them hard, the chance. Well, exactly. It's hard to turn down something that's putting, you know food on their tables for their families when other things aren't able to do that. Yeah. And that's, that also comes right back to the elephants is that, you know, a lot of the families had relied on uh, the elephant in the logging industry, if they were able to have one Uh, or now for tourism, you'll see them chained up in the yards of a very small house, which just, uh, even thinking about it makes me cringe. Oh Um, yeah. But, uh, and kids, you know, are the, the mahouts, the caretakers are generally 12, 13 years old. Um, so if you're, um, passionate about something like that and, you know, it's important to go and see it for yourself firsthand. And it's one of the reasons why I don't have a, 
um, a great respect for you know traditional modern zoos and, and things like that unless they're rescues right, um, right I have pretty strong feelings on that and and uh, just you know holding wildlife is like being in prison I mean it doesn't there's no life there no there's no <clears> life <throat> exactly yeah so you're gonna finish up the elephant project <laughs> eventually <laughs> eventually <laughs> start volunteering for the harbor seals yeah correct yeah. Oh my, that's Doing just... the rescue. I'm I'm so excited. I just literally just got my um, an announcement and um, just have to you know start the training and and, and finish up the uh, um, <clears throat> all the background stuff. But uh, training starts on Friday, and I couldn't be more excited. That I that's something I've wanted to do my whole life. And again, it's one of the reasons why I love wildlife photography is you're able to help make a difference. Um, and you get to speak for the animals that need a voice and, and these animals, marine life right now needs a big voice. Uh, we're, we're definitely killing our oceans and, um, you know, to even think how people in this day and age think that global warming doesn't exist is just incomprehensible to me. Um, and the other part is, is, you know, the oceans are what regulate the earth. So, Everything's in that circle of life, and if you take just a few things out of that circle, big effects happen, and it's going to be negative, and we're going to feel that impact, and that's kind of what's already going on right now. So hopefully, <clears throat> be able to make a little bit of a um, and then, small and then dent. still have time to do your guide, guiding <laughs> yeah, in San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been so fortunate and blessed because you know, with my company, um, how long have you been doing the? Private Guides, because so, it's privateguidessf.com, yeah, correct? Yeah, privateguidessf.com, and this is my second year. In June, I'll have my two-year anniversary. Wow, I um, wouldn't have guessed it was such a short time. Short time, I mean, I, you, yeah. But I guess, you know, living in the city as long as you have, I mean, he just... Brian really knows the city. <laughs> he knows the places to go at night, during the day. You had... The day after I was there, he took a family, wasn't it, down to the Redwoods yeah, and the wine country? Yeah. So there's such, I mean, San Francisco is such a romantic and amazing city to visit, whether you come day or night. And you know, because I loved hanging out with you guys, and right. you guys are amazing photographers on top of it. Um, <clears throat> which I have to say, I love doing all the tours. Photography is, you know, a passion of mine. So right. when you meet other photographers, it, it makes the day or night go by just so much. Uh, faster and it's you know i've had wonderful people but photographers always have a special place in my heart love doing those tours um but being able to show uh people you know not just the lombard street right. not, just not just the golden gate bridge but showing a photographer another way to shoot the golden gate bridge different angles where where some of the things that we were able to do together is shoot these shots uh from an angler perspective that is not common therefore right that's not right not every tourist book not has every, exactly. but i mean that's just it san francisco you do live in a place that i feel is one of the top <laughs> places literally in the world to visit i mean Hopefully, it can continue again to sustain itself. You know, yeah. instead, and you don't want it to get too Disneyfied. I guess is the right word. But <laughs> right. there, and again, it's that balance of you know just the changes along the Embarcadero. Right. Um. You know, again, Huge that balance. Things. I mean. Yeah, and that's the thing too is you know you know having having done this now for two years. Like I said, I've been so lucky to have you know great reviews, have great people come out. Um, because without those positive reviews and without those, you know, uh, referrals, um, it would be a lot slower for me. Um, but I think people appreciate getting a mix of, Hey, I'm going to see the iconic, I'm going to see, you know, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, or I'm going to go down Lombard, but I can also take you to Twin Peaks or I can take you to Point Cavallo, or I can get you into areas where, you're going to see, you know, or know how to try to get some type of a sunset behind the Golden Gate Bridge. Because I know, as, as well, you know, even, it's hard. Right. It, it, the, the water doesn't, there is no sunset behind the Golden Gate no, Bridge. So you have to right. know the tricks, right? <laughs> That's probably the number one complaint I've, I've, I've heard from people. They're like, oh, yeah, we set up for like two hours. And I was like, you're going to set up for 10 hours because the sun's never going right, to set there. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, and again, I think it's important to 
go with someone again you've got one vehicle you're not getting on a big bus i really right. cringe when i see some of the big buses i hate to say <laughs> it going through some i mean i know what they're trying to get as many people to these places but again just that heavy impact on right. the city you know it's dangerous it's dangerous too. i mean they had a couple big accidents last year you know when you whether you hire me or you hire somebody else right. uh i mean of course we'd love for you to you know <laughs> hire me but um is you will always see more with a private guide and you know trip advisor is a big one i always remind people do your homework make sure you have somebody right. who fits your personality oh that's um, that i think is key i think you nailed something important as a traveler or as a photographer Whatever your interest is, I think it's important to seek out a guide, a person to really show you. We all have limited time. I mean, right. let's be honest. Right. So, again, it's important if you get on a big tour, yes, you may hit the iconic spots. But, you know, they may not stay as long. They may not That's be able to thing. point you in the direction of, hey, where are the really good, you know, organic restaurants sure. or where are the good where's the good place to have coffee you won't get maybe that personalized what yeah. you're looking for and you're going to come away may you know yes you save some money but i think in the long right. run i think money's better spent you're missing out you're missing yeah. out yeah. if you're ultimately. getting a trip to a beautiful city and you want to make the most of it you yeah. know from our service we have kind of like almost a concierge type service that from the moment you send us an email we will give you recommendations for hotels, restaurants, sites to see. No, we can tell you how far out your Alcatraz tickets are going to book out if that's something you want to do. Where you can take a photography tour on Alcatraz. Most people don't realize that they have some of those several times a year. But we help with every single detail of that. And then, like you said, just being able to navigate the city. Um. San Francisco is brutal, right? I right, mean, you've got yeah. planes, trains, automobiles, <laughs> right. scooters, uh, skateboards cutting in front of oh, you. Yeah. and I've had and to, uh, I have. I've seen the skateboarders <laughs> literally like go down some of those steep hills. I'm oh, like, oh, that's yeah. suicide. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Uh, so I would a... not even living in California and LA, which you know we're we're stuck in our car. I I would not wish driving yeah. on San Francisco well, yeah. and trying to look. And you know? th that's the and, other thing. It's yeah. dangerous. You know, I I've had a lot of business come my way because husband and wife, you know, maybe even family say, hey, we're going to go to San Francisco. We're going to rent a car. We're going to go all these things. There's two important things to realize when you rent a car in San Francisco why it's probably not the best idea. Yeah. Is one, they're very hard to get your rental car. Two, there's no parking in San Francisco. Yes. So if you trying to go around and you think, oh, I'm going to stop at all these places, most folks don't realize that San Francisco doesn't have a traditional parking like structures for most no, of the sites. Right. Uh, and then the other part is the driver doesn't get to see anything because now they're trying to focus on the road and whatnot. Um, and that so, one metered spot by yeah, Palace absolutely. of the Fine Arts yeah. or the A lot three of good spots. family battles yeah. come my way. Yeah. So <laughs> oh, it sends business my way. <laughs> oh, but it's, you know, it's the, it's a smart thing to do. You figure, you know, if you pull your money and you're getting five people together, it's actually cheaper than doing the buses. Um, the buses in San Francisco, the other thing that's kind of not known is they can only stop at seven locations. So a vehicle that has, can hold eight or more people literally cannot go to most of the sites in San Francisco. It's forbidden by law. So that's why I have my SUV with tolls up to, uh, seven, um, so that we can always know. escape that rule yes, uh, and exactly. be able to get in. And they say it's big enough to be comfortable, but small enough to be able to get to those tight spots where we need to get those. Uh, shots where you know you wouldn't normally get to go to and like, if you're just starting in photography for my listeners um someone like brian you know maybe you're just getting started you have the point and shoot or cell phone he really will he'll pull in and if that's your interest again he'll stop and help you set up the shot or give absolutely. suggestions he had a tripod in the back of his van and it was, <laughs> it was perfect. It even helped me. So again, hiring someone like Brian is uh, well that. worth your... I always say it's my, you know, it's my job as your guide to think of everything ahead of time. They, you know, as photographers, we all get out. We all leave a piece of equipment behind. So I feel like it's my responsibility. You're paying me good money to show you around. I want to give you good customer service by having your back. Um, and I know it was a thing that we had talked about with safety as well, especially when you're shooting in the yes. city or on nature trails, you know, having multiple people, but having a guide 
who really knows the area, knows the trends. Um, you know, San Francisco is a safe city overall, but theft is one of the biggest issues that we face, unfortunately. So kind of having somebody there to watch your back as well just allows you to fully enjoy the experience of doing your photography. I mean, I know you guys were on a whirlwind tour. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I knew you wanted to maximize your shots. And, right. You know, it's just like uh, as photographers, we all, you know, we get to the place where we say, okay, I just need 15 more minutes, right? You know, I'm going to get yeah, uh, a couple more shots. And, you know, the bridge can be covered in fog one second, 30 seconds later, it's clear. And so it's a very well, fun but challenging. Well, landscape just... Like animal photography, a lot of times you 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 want to get there and start staking out your spot, say hours before, and people say what they look at you like, what are we waiting for? But again, <laughs> right. you're waiting for that magic moment when the sky yeah. pops and the light hits the bridge a certain way, or yep, the yeah. really magical image that's going to stick with you. That if you and sometimes it is, it's sometimes it's. Oh, if I just wait a little longer, the cloud's going to break or this or that's going to happen. So there's that balance of timing. And if you're with others that maybe don't quite share that passion, you're going to feel rushed. You might feel feel like, oh, no, I got to keep moving. I got to keep going. That is the thing. And I've been on those tours myself where I'm like the guy, the last to get on. And they're like, come on, you know, (laughs) and it's like, no, I I just need five more minutes to get that one shot. And, you know, when you when you do, especially for photography, uh, you know, and being with a photographer guide everybody's on the same page. They all know the stresses. They all know what, you know, people want. And like you said, it's a much better way to enjoy your time, especially if you only have a small window, right? You want to maximize it. Um, and then really, you know, delve into the expertise, whoever's taking you around. I always give an example. I always say, and I think you probably remember from, from the, your tour with me <laughs> is like the palace of fine arts. One of the, uh, it's the most photographed structure in all of San Francisco. And while it's beautiful during the day, if you don't know it at night, it's awe I, I think at night it's even more right? beautiful. It's, right? It's 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 amazing. This, it's the like, colors, the light, you, oh, it just yeah. and just the tranquility of the water. Yeah, the whole peacefulness of it. You don't have five thousand people around, right, And you right. can get some really cool long exposures, and uh, those are the kind of insights and the kind of things that I think a guide like myself or you, when you're doing your trips, you know, you've put the energy in. You know, the research. You've you've done your homework. And I think that's what our responsibility when we're taking photographers around and, and tourists around is, hey, this is what you're paying for. You're paying for me to know what the experience you're going to get. Right. And I want to make sure that you get every dollar's worth. Exactly. And yeah. the best time of day, the best. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Just. I always say that too with San Francisco. People always say, "Well, well, what's the best time time of year to visit?" And they're always, you know, there's such misconception. Now, you know, our summer is not our summer, so the coldest, foggiest time is June through August, and it's the most expensive time because you know it's when the kids are out. But if you want the best weather in San Francisco and you want the clearest weather, then you have to come in October, November. Those are our two best months of the year, and for photographers. It's amazing. Yeah. See, I, that's great to point out because I think that is a misconception. You think West Coast, sunshine, <laughs> right. blue sky, but often San Francisco can get socked in oh, in yeah. June, July. And-, it, and, you know, fog is, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, the best photographers have thrown gear in the bay trying to uh, take uh, <laughs> photos of the Golden Gate Bridge with the fog. I mean, it's damp, it's wet, your gear gets wet. Um, I mean, Moisture is, is not is the friend. enemy of yeah, photography, right? Especially for the electronics nowadays. It just, it's, it's yeah, not. It's tough. If you're going to you know, hedge your bets and you want to get the best time, uh, yeah, you definitely do your do your homework about when to come to San Francisco for sure because the fog will, 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 will stress you out more than you can believe. <laughs> well, Brian, it's that part of the segment of the show where I always like to ask, what's in your bag? <laughs> so as a photographer... What items, and since you do such a range, but your favorite, you know, you mentioned the Nikon, mm-hmm. many, maybe any favorite lenses. What else is you're going to find in your photography bag? That's a good question. I, I, and I have like four different bags, depending on, you know, if I'm traveling far distances, but I have this low pro that is like a very small backpack that is my go-to bag because it's, it's just big enough to handle a couple lenses and, and, and a main camera. 
uh, and do you travel gadgets. internationally then with that low pro or I do actually. Okay. Yeah. And I have a bigger version as well. Uh, it's more of like a, um, a hiker, um, can carry about eight lenses and three or four cameras in there oh, plus wow. a laptop. And I'm, you know, just like everybody, right. You're so careful with your equipment. I never want it to be checked in. I want it to right. be just at that size where I can bring Put it on it, yes. with me, uh, and then watch it like a hawk, uh, you right. know, uh, so nobody takes any gear, but, um, I do do a lot of stuff with Nikon, but I do stuff with GoPro. So I always have at least two GoPros in there and backup batteries. And the the thing for me with GoPro is... Yeah, talk to, talk to us about the GoPro. GoPro is amazing. So like, if you want a great value for an underwater camera or a camera that you can take out in the elements and get really cool wide-angle shots, GoPro is the camera. Like, If you look on Discovery Channel, you look on any nature series... Uh, because they are reasonably affordable, you know, right. four or five hundred dollars a unit. Um, you can set them up almost anywhere. Time lapse is amazing with them, and you, you know, worst case scenario, you lose one, you're not devastated. I mean, your lens costs more than your GoPro. I was going to say, it sounds right? like yeah. Do so, you wear the GoPro or how do you no, use I'm, it? Yeah, talk, I mean, I'm a dork. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I, I like to wear gear, but uh, <laughs> um, I like to set those up for. Um, uh, a lot of like almost like underwater shots or shots that are real low down towards the beach in the in effort oh. to try to get wildlife when they're coming up. I'll set things up all night, leave them out. Um, for so for me, that's what I use the GoPros mostly for. Okay, uh, kind of a mix. And that way, a lot of times too, if I'm traveling, uh, even like when I was in uh, Thailand, I would put it on the ledge. Okay. And just set it and get the sunrise and stuff like that and then piece it back together later. And that'll stuff you'll be able to see once the documentary is fully done. Oh, my goodness. Um, time wow. lapse on there is amazing. So Yeah, honestly, I haven't used the GoPro much. It takes I a mean, little getting it, used to so. because, you know, uh, now they have models where you can kind of see on the back what you're shooting. But um, it's kind of my throwback to film where you don't know what you're fully getting unless you're using the app on like your phone. Okay. And so it, it brings that element of excitement uh, again, but it's, that is it's kind definitely of worth it. Yeah, yeah. You set it out there at the beach or wherever. Yeah, you and never know On the ledge of your hotel at night if you have a great oh, view. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then let it let do it its thing. And then, yeah. like you said, until you maybe you get home and have a chance to download what it yeah. has. It's And you'll come up with crazy stuff. And people will just be like, <laughs> where did you get that? And, you know, so that, that's why I keep it. Does it take the same, basically, card yeah. and so forth? Yeah, SD card. Okay. And, and you can, uh, they have different models, so you can get extra battery packs they'll last two or three days um you know you can if you're shooting con- constantly with it you're looking six to eight hours probably um but i you know the thing with water is i'm always very concerned about my yes. gear but you know if i can put a gopro i have a small uh little tripod that i put it on and i put it right on the beach and kind of knowing where movement is going to happen right. or, you, or you're hoping to you can see some really really cool close-ups uh and as long as you're safe about it and making sure that you know an animal's not going to be able to take it away it's it's anchored securely and whatnot you'd be amazed my philosophy is too you know having done a lot of stuff with like whale migrations and shooting mammals uh, marine mammals in in their environment one of the things that drives me crazy is the chase down Yes. You know, if you go on a tour company where you don't have a marine biologist, you know, there's all kinds of rules too, right? There are about distance or how close. Distance and how close, how much you disturb. um, You know, marine mammals, especially whales, are naturally inquisitive. They will come up to you far easier if you leave them alone and just allow them to be inquisitive. If you try to chase them down, is when people start to have issues and whatnot. I mean, we all get excited because it's right. not something we get to see <laughs> on a regular basis. But respecting and understanding nature and the animals that are in it will actually bring you better photography in the long run. Studying the movements, and that's why I always say doing your homework before right. you go on those shoots. Uh, kind of knowing, like, you know, when an eagle puts his wings back, what movement's going to come next. And that way you're setting yourself up for success. Same thing with whales, knowing that, like, if there's birds, I and mean, we've talked about it right, when you were in San bird, Francisco. Right, the birds, yeah. When they're feeding, that's when, you know, there's marine life that's underneath that, that, that's feeding. You're going to get some good shots by just knowing some simple little tricks like that. 
So I do keep all those things in my bag. I get off topic, sorry. But, oh no, uh, yeah, back to your bag. <laughs> the first bag, I guess, the we first were first bag, the, the smaller bag, yeah, the, the, the go-to bag. bag. Um, I always, I have a thing where I know we laugh because we were talking about it on email, but I use the little clip-on um, lens wiper that oh, I can tuck right. back into the little right. neoprene. That's always on the side of my camera, simply because you know, especially in San Francisco, moisture and dampness is forever present. Um, I also carry uh, the the combo pen, which is a brush, a push-out brush with a charcoal tip on the other side, making sure that I can keep the lens clear. It fits in my pocket real easily when I'm out. Those are really nice. Right? I, mean, I think you had one that night. Yeah. I was with you as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and the little bowl pressure. It doesn't take up any space. None at all. And it's like $6. I mean, I think the gadgets, I've probably spent thousands of dollars over the years, and the stuff that costs me the least is the stuff I use the most. Um, but you know, it's again, we, we all love to, you know, we're, right, we're like right. to have our gadgets and whatnot. But it is fun but, though, to have that one return item that doesn't cost much right. that really pays for itself. That's and it's right. just like the lens claws clipped onto your camera yep. or in your jacket or somewhere where yeah. you always have it available. That's the thing I would say, you know, I've made so many mistakes in photography is that, you know, you get to a certain point where now you try to just uh, minimize and, and realize what you're going to need out there. So any favorite um, lenses that you have in your go-to bag? Um, I carry a Nikkor 200 to 500 millimeter, uh, a 20 to 70, and a 70 to 200. And that's because I started doing stuff with the Blue Angels last year. And then long-distance stuff for wildlife is crucial. Right, you um, need that extra you reach. You need the extra, the extra reach, you need the clarity. Um, shooting now into the Nikon D500. Uh, which is a little faster than what you know my D90 was, and I'm a creature of habit. You know the D the D90 is a brick, but I love it. You know it was what I used for so long. Um, but but I think again it goes back as I mentioned to our listeners. If you have a body, a camera body that you really know how it works and you know how it's going to respond, then you're going to be better. Put yourself in a in a range of success. Yeah, that's an excellent point. You, I mean, I, mean I, I used to tell people, I, you know, I taught firearms instruction at our police academy when I was a cop. And the first question uh, the new police recruits would say is, well, what, you know, what caliber gun should I shoot with? And I said, well, what can you hit the target the best with, the most right. accurate with? They're like, uh, and I'm like, it doesn't do you any good to have a gun that's too big for your hand. Right. And it's the same thing with a camera. People always say, oh, should you use a Nikon? Should you use this? And I say, well, what feels right to you? What, you know, what, what do you feel most comfortable with? Because like you said, you, that's what you're going to get the best shots from. The two, like I said, Ford, it's comparing Ford to right. Chevy. They're exactly. almost the same. I mean, there's, you know, uh, very little difference between, and now you've got mirrorless and, you know, there's a, there's an argument for that as well. And, um, but it's whatever you're going to catch the best But it's best what photograph. you're comfortable with. And whatever what your comfort works level is. With. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you use any filters? Do you keep any filters on your bag? Um, I've read varying things on this too, so that's why I ask uh, if my sometimes polarize uh, uh, lens filter uh, neutralizers um, because I do you know wildlife and nature. I try to keep the colors as you know kind of pure as I can. Sometimes that polarizing lens does the, the filter does help with that, especially with the blues and the greens. Right. Um, but I'm not heavy on, on doing too much filter work. Um, and do you at least keep a, like a zero, a UV filter? I do on actually your always okay. have a UV, Cause I was sorry. reading, yeah. no, only because I was reading someone's article and they were like, well, why would you put a filter on a super expensive <laughs> lens? But my thinking, and it has been for years and years is if I accidentally, that camera tips over, right. I'd rather lose, you know, an inexpensive filter and save the lens. Yeah. I, I've right. had a UV and it's funny too, because I've heard that same argument okay. is why I cover it. But the UV filters that are out there today, and even the ones that are moderately priced still offer a layer of protection. Um, you know, the thing is we, we all are, you know, probably decent photographers and we, Sometimes, you know, things happen where right. you know the setup is just not a hundred percent. So having some of those filters does help kind of curb what we you know think we know sometimes. Right. Or or if you're getting too much sun, I mean, even I've had guests not understand when to use a sun hood and and, and right. stuff like that. And it's not. I always say when you're buying your gear, talk to your friends, talk to your experts like you when they're out on tour with you. What 
you know, what do you use and why? Um, and, and if why? I don't exactly. use it, yeah, right. I mean, you want to hear both sides of the story and find out what works for you. Right. Um, and like you said, a little bit of protection goes a long way. You know, lenses costing fifteen hundred, three thousand dollars, five thousand um, dollars. You know, neoprene coverings when you're out. I mean, all those things are can come into play pretty quick. But it depends what type of photography you're doing. Right. Yeah. So with um, so in your bag you've got your couple bodies. You've got yeah. Lenses. I always do uh, a, a headlamp. The only thing that I wear, especially at night. Uh, and you saw it that day uh, when you guys were with right. me, is I carry a headlamp that has both a red light feature and a clear light. Because obviously if you're doing long exposure, you don't want any of that ambient light right. coming in. So the red light will not affect long exposures for your guests, but it also gives you enough ambient light to walk safely. You know, when we were cutting into some of those dark exactly. piers right. and stuff like that, right. it's, you know, it's, you can trip, you can fall, oh, you can do easily. whatever. But the other thing is, is that, you know, the people that are looking to maybe take advantage of a photographer who's not watching their camera bag i you know in law enforcement we used to call it situational um awareness right right so we don't i always say a photographer should have that anyways we all get wrapped up i mean i will have my eye in you uh, do you get wrapped up in the <laughs> camera or through the yeah, you try yeah. to do your shot right, and then you, right. you turn your back and i lost all my camera equipment that way in vancouver i mean it oh, was a hard you? lesson Ooh, very ouch. hard lesson so i'm <laughs> militant about you know having somebody back me up and 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 making sure you kind of photograph as a team um taking turns it doesn't do any good to have all three people focused on the shot and nobody kind of watching what's going on because the trick in san francisco is grab the cell phone right out of your hand grab the camera oh, out of your hand just yeah. take off right and before you even know you got hit you're and hit. i actually have heard that in other countries as well right. i was walking i was with a photographer in amsterdam and he said too they've gotten <laughs> to the point where they'll walk up and they know how to unhook that Pick lens, lens right. and walk away and i'm like what yeah. i have not heard of that before but it yeah, talk about ruining a vacation. Right. Yeah, it'll be a, that'll be an expensive, expensive mistake. Right. The other thing I, I always tell people, and and I like to carry, is that if you're doing any type of photography where you're shooting people, um, I carry these little, um, they're like a quarter page uh-huh. uh, releases. Oh, nice. Um, because, like, if you do want to submit something to Nat Geo or PBS, their kind of rule is if it's a recognizable face, you have to have uh, a signature waiver. Okay. Or they will not oh, they put won't. it on their websites. Okay. They, you know, same with their Flickr accounts and stuff like that. Um, you got to be able to prove that these people are okay with your shots. And that can be tricky because sometimes people don't speak the same language. Um, what I have started to do is have them sign it, but then I record them on my phone oh, with the video. Interesting. And I just, you know, explain or I have a translator. Like when I was in uh, Italy or when I was in uh, Thailand, I had translators the whole time that would speak to them and say, hey, this is what, you know, you're giving up your rights to this. There's no money coming from this, etc." cetera. Right. Um, and then what I would do is always send them a print. Oh, that's um, excellent. If they right, had the, right. the means so that they felt, you know, they were also getting something. And a lot out of, of people it. appreciate that too. If you just grab yeah. an email address yeah, and offer, email. hey, I'll send you this when I oh, get yeah. when I get back and maybe a few weeks, but Yeah. I did a lot of projects, you know, in, in Mexico that way where, you know, they, they don't ha- didn't have the technology. So maybe buy a meal for the family and then talk and you know, it was more kind of getting integrated into their family system a little bit and, and sharing a nice moment. But it was something out of respect and, and exactly. for them to understand, hey, I'm not just here to take I'm advantage not, right. of you. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's really smart. Poor, uh, that's, those are small. Those wouldn't take yeah. much room it, at it's all. Seriously, I, I mean, it's like a quarter page and I, I keep them all in there. I just... And it's nice to have it on. And, and again, I, I only learned that from having made the mistake when I tried to submit some stuff. Oh. And they were like, oh, this is great, but... Do you have the release for it? And I was like, no. So, uh, hard lesson learned. If that, you're... yeah, that is because you might get an amazing city shot, absolutely moment in Paris, whatever it is. <laughs> well, and now it's a small world, right? Now I've actually had people say to me, um, "Oh my gosh!" Like I think I was at the Eiffel Tower the exact day you were there. Wow! And you think to yourself, it's a small world, but now with social media, it is so much easier. You know, uh, law enforcement uses it. Uh, people say, you know, the, the Amber Alerts, right? You go on your computer, right. and they're saying, hey, if you see this car, they're all over the place. If you see this guy who stole package off your porch, yes. 
the same thing can happen with with photographers if you're you know you have your workout there right to Instagram or Facebook yeah. it's it's like it's you bound may to have that. somebody who knows right them. you may <laughs> photograph a nice beautiful woman by the Eiffel Tower or whatever but you're right she may get find That's you right. via social media and be like hey I didn't give you my okay and That's be, right. could cause some real issues especially if you made money on the photo right which is exactly you know, for the, your professional uh, photographers they already know but uh, yeah when you go into print and stuff like that it'll 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 be the nightmare you wish you could get back <laughs> part of what part of what i learned in thailand by the way oh was it <laughs> yeah make sure i make sure i have all my uh permits and everything done ahead of time and not try to do it after yeah, yeah. a long lesson yeah so how much gear do you take on a larger bag then so i will always uh bring a backup base camera so i would have my d90 um I, I always recommend having a second base. Now, I don't always keep it on me. If I'm out on location doing something in, in like right. a wildlife shoot, or uh, I definitely have it. Because Murphy's Law, as we all know, uh, when you don't want something to go wrong, something does. It and at will. least you have it. Right. Yeah, you've got something. You're not going to get skunked uh, without anything. Right, exactly. So I will always carry a, a, a smaller lens. So I like to do wide angle. Then I'll carry a medium. Uh, and then a long, and then something with action. So I make something that's very fast. quick, very fast. Um, I also am, I'm like, I'm a germaphobe too, so as you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I carry okay. like water and, and uh, you know, I have the little MREs. I mean, just in case, I always think people should have like a, you know, like a big version of a, uh, um, it is knife, smart, a survival though. tool. You never, you, you just, just never, never know. know. I mean, even on these flights, you hear about these flights getting delayed, and yeah, who knows? We... Yeah, water's a big one too. I mean, I almost passed out when I was in Thailand. I've never experienced oh. that kind of heat in my life. And the guide was funny. As I told him, I said, "Seriously, uh, we were up doing a uh, the long neck tribe, and uh, I said you know, we got to go." And he was like, "Oh, we still got a couple more." I said, "No, man." Take me to 7-Eleven. I need like eight gallons of Gatorade right, right now because right. my body was just not used to that kind of heat. And uh, they were burning the rice fields on top of it, which is a oh. another thing. You know, we went, you know, maybe not at the best time and right. didn't realize how much that was going to hamper shots either. But taking care of yourself personally is a huge part of, you know, doing outdoor photography, as you know. And I know you do a lot of trips outdoors, so... It um, is, and and people come from different, you know, areas. Right. Altitude can be another concern. Sure, like sure. For myself, even going to Colorado, sometimes you get caught up in f f photography and scene and trying to get as much out of your day. You're up at sunrise. You want to stay out, but yeah, <laughs> if you don't get take care of yourself, you don't hydrate. Yeah. You don't Hydration's eat something. Important. I mean, yeah, you're gonna. <laughs> I always say too, you know, I've been done a lot of work down in Cabo. And it's an amazing place for, for marine life if you ever get the opportunity. But, you know, the sun is powerful there, even when it doesn't appear that it's powerful. And, you know, you, you, you're out there and you're feeling good. And the next thing you realize, you're completely pink because oh, you, right. you haven't prepared and, and, and whatnot. And um, it, like you said, it's always good to have everything ready to go. Great. So I think we covered what's in your bag. <laughs> so... I also like to ask, since you've done a lot of traveling, mm -hmm. just from some of the photos I've seen, favorite places that you would recommend to listeners or must-sees? Wow, that's and a I know hard that's one. tough. Yeah, yeah. You know, again. I can tell you there I can tell you some of my favorite spots in the world that I love to to photograph. San Francisco being one because there are so many challenges and I like the natural setting of San Francisco more than maybe well, there's urban street art right. as well, but I love to be able to wow people with the, I didn't even realize this was part of San Francisco shots right. going up to like top of Mount Tamalpais, uh, the West peak that overlooks Stinson beach. I promise you it's like you're in heaven and it's one of my favorite places in the oh, world wow. to shoot locally. Right. Um, I spent some time in Italy, um, on Lake Como and just uh, stayed in Verena, and that is a photographer's dreamland. It was probably one of the best days I've ever had. I rented a boat. Oh my goodness. I went out wow. and just, you can, people are friendly. The food is amazing. Um, you get your own time to shoot, you know, whatever you want. And, and shooting from the water gives a different perspective. It's a little trickier sometimes, you know, setting up tripods and stuff. It's mostly a handheld shoot. 
but the castles, the old homes, oh, the things wow. that you come across, that really kind of re-inspired me in some ways for doing some photography that I hadn't done. That you put aside. So I really speak. had put aside. And I, I could not, to your listeners, I could not recommend that enough. Um, I also truly enjoy um, Baja, so like Cabo, San Lucas, uh, Todos Santos, any of those areas there that are southern. And again, amazing for marine mammal life. I mean, you can be a part of uh, volunteer tourism, do help with uh, turtle releases. You can even swim with whale sharks, sea lions, um, the wow, guides that's there. Wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing, and they're very cautious about the animals and whatnot but if you're into that type of photography you can get shots that i mean you would never in your life think that you're going to get and the sunsets there um and the volunteer vacations is a good point that you mentioned because and i may not have brought it up to my listeners and other podcasts just yet but if you look there are some if you have the time you can often sometimes trade some of your expenses because you're volunteering that time either to help marine life or in some countries um whether it's speaking you know helping them learn english whatever it is you know just need to seek those out so that's exactly what i did at the elephant nature park in chiang mai was i kind of traded my services Right. Um, and to help offset your yeah, right. and, and the thing is, you know, if you're a professional photographer and you're and you're you're not labeled as a hobby photographer, you can write those costs off. But the the thing is, giving back, right? So if it's a passion project that you're passionate about, you know, going and spending time with her and the the rescue there meant a lot to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to be able to capture some of the essence of the animals, and and you know, these these animals are the battles they've gone through. Right. Right. But you will have access because of your kindness, because of it is a passion to you. That's not something somebody can fake when they go there. Oh no. So they're so very appreciative of you helping their cause because the more photos, the, the more exposure they get, the more funding they help to get to rescue these animals. And you will get closer to these elephants than you think is possible or you know if you do a journalistic i did a project where it was like the tiger kingdoms where there's the tiger camps where you know tourists can go in there and so that was more investigative trying to find out pupillary response and see if the animals are drugged but if you build those relationships you will get access to cool stuff that will make your photography projects amazing. And I think that I think that's true in almost anything, showing an interest, whether yeah. it's going into a small town, going into a city, you know, making those connections and really right. opening yourself up. It's amazing what opportunities can come your way. Yeah, I, and, that, and that goes a long way. I, one of the first projects I ever did was called The Children of Cabo. And it was to go back into some of the old areas many years ago before it was developed. And uh, my thought process was then was to let the kids play with my camera. And oh, wonderful. they hadn't seen the technology right. before. So it was so much fun to watch them interact. And uh, my friends and stuff that were also there doing photography. And, you know, they were uh, the families that were there were just amazingly kind to us. But they appreciated, you know. Oftentimes, and, I, and I'll tell groups that are with me, uh, whether we're doing wildlife tours or just regular tours, is right. as photographers, we sometimes get lost in that moment where we don't enjoy the moment as well. That, Sunsets. That is true. Right? right. You, yeah, that is so true. so focused on right. getting the shot, <laughs> we forget to live and just enjoy the right. moment. So I always think it's you know really, really important to stress to each other that enjoy the moment you can get your shots, but also enjoy what you're seeing. And sometimes, you know, I've, I've had close encounters with animals and you, and you just like, I didn't even want to take a photo of it. I just, right. You just wanted to kind of like be in the moment. Yeah. And, and take it all let in. It immerse you. Let Absolutely. it sink in. You're yeah. right. Because sometimes when you have that eyepiece in front of you, <laughs> you kind of almost, you miss it. You you're, miss it. Yeah. You miss the emotional connection or yeah. the, the the experience, experience. Is, the, right. is, is the crucial. Right, yeah. right. So you named off Lake Como. Yeah, and I'd stay Baja. in Verena on that side because it's it's a lot quieter. It's a lot. Uh, you know, the train drops you off right there. You can walk into town. Oh, well, um, wonderful. The restaurants are like basically people have converted their homes into like a kitchen where they serve 
directly out of their kitchen. It's amazing. So for like $15, you'll get a seven-course meal oh. cooked right from an Italian <laughs> family that's local. I mean, it's amazing. But the that was a special place to photograph. And then one of my all-time favorites, and I will say, is uh, Vancouver, Vancouver, Canada, and Victoria. So, again, if you're into wildlife or like Alaska, I've been to Alaska a few times. Those are, I mean, if you're talking about colors and nature, those are the spots to go. For me, that's what I love. Um, and you're going to get the interactions you want because there are a higher number of probability that you're going to run into the marine life that you like in those areas. Right. Plus, the people are great. I mean, Canadians, who doesn't love Canadians, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, I think... I think our time is, we're wrapping it up here. So, Sounds good. Yeah. I've had a wonderful time chatting with Same you today, here. Brian. Same here. I've enjoyed it. So once again, if people are heading up to San Francisco and want a wonderful experience in the city, if you're a beginning photographer or more advanced photographer or you're taking your family so you need a mix of things, uh, Brian's website, again, is privateguidesf for sanfrancisco.com. That's correct. And where else can people find some of your wildlife photos of the elephants? It's our... uh, pretty much I've cha- uh, put everything on my fan page on Facebook, Facebook? which is okay. still Private Guide SF. Um, I've kind of, I you know, got so many websites at one point that it was so scattered uh now with the business because i've focused everything into one right um either myself or my booking agent always puts uh, uh my work on there as well um and do you have an instagram account uh i do but not i'm i'm but, yeah, the okay. horrible no, about, it's okay. <laughs> uh, I, I try to try to keep up on the uh facebook uh, alone and and, and that's tough. i know it's it's hard having all these different <laughs> places to put stuff right i'm at the age where i i th- Still think I'm connected to technology, but I think I'm I'm lagging behind. But definitely on the fan page you'll see, and any of your uh, fans, if they mention you, I'll give them a discount if they want to come oh, out for a tour. Thank you, thank so, you so much. Yeah, and, well, and I'm also going to put some liner notes together for the listeners as far as you know, suggested. You had some great suggestions on gear and the. Sure. The pen with the brush yeah. and, and the headlamp, I think, is an incredible idea. It's yeah. simple, doesn't take up much room. Freeze up your hands to carry right. your gear. Freeze up your hands <laughs> and you can actually you won't stumble and hopefully don't back up too far. And, <laughs> ugh, I hear some horror stories. Right. I don't watch the news for some of those reasons. Um, so any last things for our listeners? Or? No, just uh, thank you for having me in. It's been an honor. I enjoy your work, and I enjoyed getting to meet you and spend time with you in San Francisco. I know that we'll probably come across paths to do a project together soon. And uh, to everybody who's listening, thank you and enjoy the moment. Great. Thank you so much, uh, everyone, for listening today. This is April and Brian today <laughs> at Eyes for the Road. Join us on our next adventure. Take care.